Welcome to 40 Crave, the show by two almost 40-something dudes whose adult lives and responsibilities have not eclipsed their zeal for nerdy shit, like Warhammer, specifically 40K, and video games, and Taco Bell, and pretty much anything else. Tom, what's what's the thing that you love that life can't take away from you? Beer, and that's about it. <laughs> nice. Pro- are you drinking a beer right now? Uh, yeah, the usual Aldi brand. Sounds good. By the way, I'm Ben, a.k.a. LS Demon, and my co-host is Tom, a.k.a. Tommy Bones, a.k.a. Bonesaw Miniatures on the gram. You can check out some of those awesome miniatures, including a Chaos Knight. That looks pretty sick. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and glug. Uh, But anyway, Tom, we're talking about our favorite subject of all time. Absolute favorite subject. Tom, what is our favorite subject of all time? Chaos Space Marines. Oh, oh, okay. I thought we were talking about the German discount supermarkets. Okay, my bad. We already did. We discussed that. Um, <laughs> yes, we're talking about chaos, specifically chaos and 40K. We did a bunch of shows lately with special guests talking about orcs, talking about the Drukari, a.k.a. Dark Eldar, talking about Astartes, a.k.a. Space Marines, a.k.a. Ultra Smurfs, <laughs> a.k.a. Rodent Guillotine. Uh, and thank you again to Ryan from Command Point. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Today, we are our own special guests because we are the chaos experts of the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> I challenge anyone to debate you. <laughs> That's You heard it, guys. If you think you can usurp us, Tom challenges you. <laughs> debate Ben specifically. Yes, we'll, we'll debate each other. Tom... What was your first exposure to chaos and what drew you in? Because pre- presumably, maybe you didn't start loving chaos. Maybe you started liking a different faction. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just thinking earlier today that um, in, a, in a previous episode, like one of the first ones we, we started, I just kind of threw out a wild claim that if you don't play chaos, you're un-American. Uh, and you just kind of rolled with it. You know, you, you didn't bother to press any deeper than that. <laughs> You know, there is logic behind that. I think we'll probably get into that uh, this episode. So so is that what it was, Tom? Like you saw it and you're like, well, I'm an American. I must <laughs> love these bad mom pajamas. <laughs> that and, yeah, I guess. Uh, so I was drawn into the, the uh, Emperor's Children at Legion, as you know, we, you know, we brought that up a few times. But, um, you know, and you always ask why, you know, what, what drew me to that. And I've always kind of just given you the, the generic... You know, stock response that you know their uh, the vices. You know, uh, a rundown of what they are basically. But um, I try to do, keep it light. Uh, you know, I don't don't want to get too heavy with you know the exact reason. Uh, but I think there uh, there's a actually a, a meme of all things that explains it pretty well. So there is uh, two cars at a red light and uh, a black car and a pink car. Uh, and it shows the inside of the black car, and it's Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, and is labeled Perturabo. <laughs> and then it cuts to the pink car. Uh, inside the pink car is a dude with like a full pink uh, bodysuit, and this goofy grin on his face, and his eyes are all bloodshot and squinty. It says, Fulgrim, high as shit, not contributing to the war. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson just has this like disappointed, like. Uh, annoyed look on his face. Um, I think that summarized it perfectly uh, because uh, I used... 
um, you know, not to get too too heavy with it, but you know, I, I struggled with depression for a while, uh, and there was a, a point in my life that I was self-medicating, uh, and Fulgrim kind of is my like a reminder of who I was, you know, just more concerned about vices and and you know fucking around and and not you know just wanted to have a good time and and try to I don't know how to explain it it's just it, I kind of see myself my who I was and it's sort of a, a living reminder to to not forget my past I guess so so it's kind of like the the fact that Fulgrim and his legions were using sensation I mean you always say sex drugs and rock and roll but really it's like sensation in all its forms mm-hmm. to distract themselves and try to not I guess deal with the war in this case with Terra but also just like the general downfall of their chapter like they were you know addicted mm-hmm. to sensation kind of self-medication like they were Mm kind of like we're unhappy things have gone too far but there's not really anything we could do so let's just turn into it Mm -hmm. like uh like we always say they're kind of their version of escapism yeah and uh it was it was really only making things worse that's interesting wait for for the emperor's children or for you or for both well for both i guess i don't know man once you hit noise marine status it kind of feels like you're not really gonna get any worse (laughs) yeah do you remember the, I think it was the Noise Marines that were in, like, third edition where they had, like, no ears and the really big, like, shark teeth. Yeah. And, like, the tongue that had, like, a mouth in it. I <laughs> thought those guys were pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, Tom, I think that's really insightful. And it's really interesting, too, why you would identify with Emperor's Children. I don't know if you knew this, but originally when I started getting into chaos, I liked Slanesh. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't I didn't know a ton about like different gods. I think I was pretty young. I was probably like fourth grade at that point. <laughs> but there was one chaos champion model I thought looked real cool because he had a cool mask on and, and like a crab claw, which I thought was cool. <laughs> Once I started getting chaos, though, I, I think I gravitated towards Zinch for similar <laughs> reasons. Um, I think my first exposure to chaos, like I started out 40K being like, oh, space marines are fucking cool. You know, like every and then i remember in like one of the original rule books or like art books there were these incredibly intricate drawings of chaos guys who would have like if you looked at the drawing like it was so detailed every square inch of like the guy's armor would have faces or like they had some nurgle guys and they have tentacles on their eyes and if the more you look the more you find like just how distorted and disturbing these things were right and um for me there was this kind of like weird sick fascination with how degenerate and disgusting they were but there was also kind of like a liberation and and for kind of similar reasons to to you like as as a kid i think you know i without going into too much details there was a lot of times where i felt really powerless when i started reading about you know like magic and chaos and the power of being like a chaos champion i think it was just really appealing it was like you go from being like afraid and kind of anxious like no 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 i'm in control like the chaos is power right i I don't know if that resonates just the idea of like i embracing the insanity and like taking power from it made me feel like stronger instead of weaker right you can definitely see that
And I'm trying to think. I had a, a friend whose brother played Chaos, and he had like an the old Abaddon, the Despoiler, you know, the one who had like no arms, the, the <laughs> Armadon. <laughs> Abaddon the Armless. Yeah, and he had a Karn the Betrayer, and I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And he's like, that's Karn the Betrayer. I'm like, well, why do they call him that? And he's like, oh, he kills his own guys. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> was and cool. then he explains it, and I'm like, that's that's crazy. It was like I had never heard it. Like, you have a model that, like, will kill your own guys. And he loved it, and I was like, that's kind of interesting. For being so. cowards. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know about you. Like, ever since about that moment when I started realizing – like the bad guys have more fun. I think like that actually was a moment in my life when throughout it, like I started really sympathizing with villains, not like I wanted to be them, but like I wanted to understand them. And I started becoming more fascinated with them than the heroes. Right. Does that, what do you think about you when you're watching like a Disney movie? Are you thinking about the hero or the villain? I don't know why I put Disney, fuck Disney. When you're seeing a movie, if you're seeing like a superhero, any movie, are you thinking like, Oh, the hero is interesting or Oh, the villain's interesting. You know, I love, uh, I'm a Batman fan, but I love the Joker and his relationship with Harley Quinn, because uh, it's it's such a fucked up, just a toxic relationship. Yeah. But, but it's really the best that Joker can do, given his personality, right? Like, with all of his <laughs> psychoses, like, he still loves her in, in this his sick and twisted way. That it's that's really sad. I think. Who's real quick? Who's your favorite Joker? Jack Nicholson. More than Heath Ledger. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too crazy about Heath Ledger. So I think they all brought something to the role, but I don't think anyone has nailed it yet, like 100%. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker was like just like a really smart homeless guy. You know, he wasn't like a put together. You know criminal mastermind type of joker it was a great role you know he did a great job with it but i don't think it encapsulated the full essence of, of who he is you should post that on unpopular opinion i bet you get a lot of upvotes oh yeah it's super unpopular <laughs> but um yeah there's i think there's too many facets of the joker in order to like and so many versions of him too you know so it, it's hard to say who's right uh, as shitty as jared no, version was um <laughs> It actually, you know, gave an explanation as to why he has henchmen. You know, he's like, he's a mob boss kind of thing. So it's one of the first times you and I have disagreed on the show. Mm-hmm. I love the Heath Ledger Joker, and I mm-hmm. could just watch over and over the uh, the video of it. And I agree. I don't think it was everything that is Joker. And I think if he had had more opportunity to build it out, maybe he could have done more. Because you're right. Like, there's definitely more elements to it. And like that Joker. You couldn't see it with Harley Quinn. He was very nihilist, and I don't think there was much of that like humorous like humanity that would have enabled the the Harley Quinn relationship. Yeah, I don't I don't want to take anything away from Heath Ledger's Joker. He was you know it, it was an awesome role. You know he did a great job with it, an amazing performance. But you know there there were some things that I think could have been different. That's all. And and to be clear, like I absolutely respect that opinion because uh, you know I think first of all you are a Joker expert, <laughs> a Joker expert. You are a Joker expert as things go. I think you're wearing Joker shoes as we speak, aren't you? Uh, yeah, and top. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. But so okay, here's what I did like about the Heath Ledger one, and then I can tie it back to Chaos. He just wanted to fuck things up. 
And he was not like absolutely like his own well-being and perseverance. Like his his goal was chaos mm-hmm. and destruction. And much like in a lot of the kind of fiction around Warhammer 40k, there's certainly some antagonists who are chaos affiliated. Or in some of the books, like the Night Lords, there's some chaos protagonists. Mm-hmm. And very often they have kind of self-preservation as a main mission. But the ones that I think are much more interesting are the ones that are wholly focused on one aspect of their god or their existence to the complete exclusion of everything else. So, like, Karn is a great example. He just wants to kill shit. Right. Although there's some hilarious 1D4 chance stuff about, you know, Karn, what a great guy. <laughs> Good guy, that Karn. And, I mean, there are some complex chaos characters characters too so and i would talk about araman in a little bit because i think he's a good one mm-hmm. but i just love this idea of just being so far gone about you know exacting whatever self-expression you have whether it's violence or noise right. or destruction or change or pleasure or decay right i think so, uh lucius the eternal comes to mind yeah he's um, an interesting as much as you know, they went too far with it. Like I think there was, <laughs> you know, like uh, the guy that created the landmine that blew him up became Lucius. Like, uh, all right, now you're just you're pushing it. But just the, <laughs> but the fact that he just lives to fight. You know, he just wants to pursue perfection in in his uh, martial prowess. Like that was who he was as a person. It's who he has as a as a champion of Slanesh. He's he's a good one because in the books, I hated his fucking guts. I really <laughs> he was such a dick. Yeah, yeah. And yet that's that's kind of what makes a really compelling villain. It's like in wrestling, you know, the the good heels, the bad guys are the ones that can generate the most heat. Like you, yeah. you have to have a villain that you just want to kill. It's like Joffrey and uh, what was his name, Ramsey Bolton. You right, just right. wanted to fucking kill him. Like that's a good villain. And Emperor's children are perfect for that because arrogance and, and vanity go, you know, it, it's the perfect reason to hate somebody, you know, <laughs> because they're full of themselves. Yeah. So, so Lucius is a good one. So for those that don't know, Lucius was an Emperor's children, like probably one of the best swordsmen in space marine history. You know, debatable, yeah. but he's up there for sure. Mm-hmm. And Slanesh gave him the gift that there's a couple gifts, but a big one is that if you kill him, and smile as a result of the victory. <laughs> if you take any be, pride you in be slowly turn, you, you slowly turn into him, right? Yeah. Or he, he inhabits your body and then slowly takes over and you become him again. Yeah. Well, he becomes you? No, it's like you. he takes over your body and then comes to life as you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you take any pride whatsoever in the kill. So the thing with the guy that created the landmine in the factory he was so proud of the job he did making this landmine <laughs> that uh, he unknowingly ended up killing you know the the current in- in creation of, of lucius uh totally removed from you know everything had no idea <laughs> but because he he did such a great job putting that mine together in the factory there's a, a story somebody alluded to, which I don't know which it is, but apparently Lucius gets accidentally or intentionally sent to Kamarag <laughs> and starts just running amok, killing people. And then every time somebody kills him, 
they feel pride, so they immediately <laughs> right. turn into him, and he comes back to life. So he was, like, just destroying this, like, giant chunk of Kamarag, and he was unstoppable because they had so much pride. I forgot how they solved it, but I thought that was funny. Like, it was slow, but he was just systematically murdering every Drukari. Sounds about right. So, and he's interesting. Yeah, he's a good character, kind of an asshole. Uh, I'm trying to think of other Slanesh. Was Doom Rider a Slanesh guy? Yeah, Doom Rider. I wish they would update that model. <laughs> uh, what, and what was his deal? So Doom Rider. Let me get the details here. Ba- basically, he's a demon prince riding a bike, and it's super stupid but hilarious. Yeah. He was a space marine biker. Um Super into speed, like a like a orc speed freak, you know, uh, white scars, kind of a you know, gotta go faster, you know. And the dude summon him from the warp, and uh, he shows up, does his thing, but he's super fickle, and he'll get bored and just leave. <laughs> yeah, he's another good one. And the other good Slanesh, well, I mean, Fabius Bile, but he's not really Slanesh, but he is Emperor's Children. He's expressly anti-chaos god, but yeah, they they gave him his own faction now. I don't like, we can't even take him. Really? Yeah. He's uh, servants of Bile now. Or creations of Bile. Interesting. And he's he's one that's kind of cool. In the context of Emperor's Children, he'd be obsessed with genetics and cloning. And I remember at one point, so he's he's suffers from a disease that is slowly killing him, so he creates clones that he can transfer his consciousness into mm-hmm. who will eventually die. Apparently a fluff the disease is like in the warp so it's not like an actual physical malady it's something that exists in his mind as much as it exists in reality mm-hmm. but at one point he was captured by homunculi again we get to drukari and they end up was like being tortured and he's like hey you could be doing this better and then like <laughs> taught them some shit which is fascinating <laughs> yeah uh what i love about fabius fabulous bill fabulous bill <laughs> Um, he cloned Fulgrim, like he used Fulgrim's uh, gene seed, created a full-on, like perfect clone of Fulgrim. Uh, but it was before the whole layer blade and everything, so the clone was fully loyalist, like it, his original self before the the taint of correct of chaos. Uh, and now Trazen the uh, the Infinite uh, has him in his collection. <laughs> He has a Primark in his collection. Well, a cloned Primark. Yeah. Well, for all intents and purposes, a loyalist Fulgrim. Dude, Trazen, like, I was never a huge Necrons fan until Trazen. Mm-hmm. He really made it for me. He's super funny. Mm-hmm. All right. We talked about Fable. Let's, let's switch Chaos Gods a little bit. I think we mentioned Karn the Betrayer. I think of all of the Chaos Gods. I love Korn. I think he's super interesting, but it's just less nuanced than some of the other chaos gods because it's such yeah, a raw i was gonna say i think corn is probably the most one-dimensional to me sort of the least interesting out of all the chaos gods you know he's just very single-minded focused on blood and slaughter and there's not really much depth there i mean when when it comes to like cool models and cool factions like i like the world eaters i think corn oh, berserkers yeah, are a lot of fun but yeah, like if I'm looking at artwork of corn, it's like okay, there's there's armor and skulls and shit. Whereas if I'm looking at like a Zinch, a Slanesh, or like a Nurgle artwork, it's like oh, look at all those tentacles, look at all the faces. You know, corn's just like murder, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, that said, Karn the Betrayer is an amazing character. Yes, uh, 
hands down. One of my favorites. I mean, enough that you named your child uh, kind of after him. Uh, Karn, actually. Uh, it just doesn't have the the accent on the A. Isn't he Karn the baby trayer? <laughs> yes. The, the... Okay. Glad we settled that. No, no, it's his name is Gorechild. Karen the total backstabbing bitch. <laughs> That's not it's not your son's name. That's the female version. Oh, of Karen the Betrayer. A Karen. <laughs> he's not a Karen. No, but dude, he's got a fucking axe named Gorechild. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. fucked up. That's pretty cool. I love Karn. Used to be Angron's axe. It did, along with Gorefather. Yeah. I will now go as Gorefather. So he's so anyway, Corn. Look, if you're a huge Corn <laughs> fan out there, I play World Eaters Army. I play a Berserkers Army. It's not that I don't love them. Mm-hmm. I think they're super fun. I just think it's less nuanced and challenging as a concept. Yeah. You know, like selling yourself for rage and, and war. <laughs> it's it's hard as this is to say. It's like vanilla evil <laughs> versus like, oh, I'm you know I'm gonna worship Slanash and all sensation or. Oh, I'm gonna give in to Grandfather Nurgle and, and have like a happy nihilistic acceptance of my inevitable demise and just unending agony for eternity. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk uh, let's talk Nurgle for a little bit. I think when we when we did our warp episode with Gabrielle, we talked Nurgle, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I still think very interesting character. I, I love <laughs> the juxtaposition: despair, hopelessness, and just bitter agony. With jolliness. Yeah. Nurgle is super interesting. Grandfather's blessing, you know, the gifts he bestows to his followers uh, that are just torturous and horrific. <laughs> but but gifts, you know, like he thinks he's helping. Right. Um, and it. I think pl- like Marines, again, like when you're reading about like Nurgle's rot and the fact that their, you know, stomachs become distended and break their armor and make them these mm-hmm. fat looking guys. Yeah. Uh, or the way that the body splits into mouths. Or I think the single moment for me when I was like fully enraptured by chaos is when I read the description of the great unclean one, circa 1992. Mm-hmm. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> Have you seen the great clean one? <laughs> is that the, the meme thing where Zinch cleans it up? Somebody, I, I think it's an actual model. Somebody green stuffed and, and just got rid of all the disgustingness. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so now it's just a fat, like, pink-looking guy. Just a big guy. fat guy, yeah. The great clean one. <laughs> great unclean one, man. As an idea, that is a, a... That is probably the worst thing that you can see. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> of of the great greater demons, I think that's the one I would least want to see. It's just such a fucking disgusting idea. <laughs> and to know, that, like, you're, you know, you're going to get Nurgle's rot. Mm. Uh, Go into that for our listeners. Anyone who what is it, you mean? Anyone Wait, who familiar with Nurgle, yeah. Uh, so, so the great unclean one. Let me start with that. Is a probably like two-story tall, corpulent, aka you know fat, you know bulbous, green humanoid entity that can barely walk around because of how fat it is, and all over its skin are pustules and filth and mucus and cuts and tears. And in some of the old artwork, you could see that like. It's, its skin is barely holding it together. And in fact, in places like parts of its intestines are popping out. Yeah, yeah. And it's covered in these, these nurglings, these small, 
um, you know, mischievous and again, funny little <laughs> demonic things, which are like drinking all of the the residue that's coming off of this great unclean one as if it's like the most delicious thing in the world. And it's dripping and disgusting and has this giant cracked smile that's like way too big for its face as it just kind of slowly trundles along the battlefield and just spreads like disease everywhere it goes. Mm-hmm. And then Nurgle's rot, I believe, is a disease that kind of rots you from the inside out. And then eventually, if you die from it, you become a demon. You become a plague bearer. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the Nurglings, because I'm not really a huge fan. No? The uh, There's just such a grim darkness that I think the, the comic aspect has its place, like with orcs. But when you have... Uh, I don't know. It might be too much of a of a switch. You know, I don't disagree with you that it ruins the grim dark a little bit. I remember there's a model that's pretty cool. I think it was one of the Space Marine Heroes models. Um, it was a Plague Marine champion. That there's a little on the base. There's a Nurgling which has like a little Space Marine helmet and is looking really the sassy. The sassy Nurgling, yeah. Sassy Nurgling. It's hilarious, but at the same point, it does completely neutralize the grim dark because otherwise you're like, oh my god, like. You know these space marines that get affected with this disease, they're too hard, they're too tough, they can't die, mm-hmm. so they like decompose from the inside out, but they're still alive, and their bellies become just uh, distended, and their guts spill out, and they're just in unending agony, and their faces, you know, usually like their ears will melt off, and they just look disgusting, <laughs> and then juxtapose that with this cute little like one foot tall like gremlin looking thing that's like got a sassy hands on its <laughs> hips, and it's like okay, it's cute. But you're right, it does pop the bubble. Like, it's hard to take as a grimdark thing. But it's, you know, it's not lost on me. I get the juxtaposition, like we were talking about before, with, you know, how he's jolly, but also gross. You know, so I, I, I get it. You know, it's um, that dichotomy there. I can see how it works out. It's not, uh, I don't know. We'll edit that um, out. <laughs> No, no, it's it's. I think it's good though. There's a dichotomy that works. It's just it's a very interesting complexity, despair and uh, hopelessness, along with jolliness and kind of nihilistic acceptance. I guess in the same way with corn, it's like murder, but there's a little bit of like martial honor because, in, in at least in some places, if you're killing like innocents, that corn doesn't really like that as much as if you're killing like a very difficult to kill enemy. Right. I think uh, Nurgle was my second favorite, just because of that that balance. Like, um, what got me, I think, was uh, how rot and decay. You know, death causes decay and rot, uh, which feeds bacteria and creates new life. So Nurgle is not only the god of disease and decay and death, but also of life. So, like, uh, a lot of times when you know sick imperial citizens or you know. Uh, on their deathbed, they'll pray to Nurgle for to let them live. You know, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Nurgle is very. I mean, from a very interesting and from a and kind of Warhammer 40k reference, there are a lot of fashions kill team too that are Nurgle specific, and they're all horrific and and terrifying <laughs> and and fun. You and I, I know you're painting some Plague Marines now. I painted some a year ago. Yeah. Just really fun. Like they're just oh, yeah. so you know festooned with little details like mouths and tentacles and flies and all this <laughs> other stuff. It's gross, but also just kind of fascinating. I love the models because they're it's like a perfect balance 
of you know the flat armor panels that you'd expect from marines but also the cool organic you know contours and, and awesome shapes from uh you know organic matter it's a really cool balance there like one dude has an antler springing out of his shoulder yeah it's just really cool a lot of fun. and you know one guy has has like a his intestine is like a tentacle which is holding up the like, <laughs> cleaver yeah, my, my champion uh, has a full-on, like, insect head <laughs> with the compound eyes. and. <laughs> All right. So we talked about Nurgle. We talked about, we, we talked about like, kind of the Emperor's Children. We didn't really talk about Slanesh, but let's, uh, for the in the interest of time, because I know we could talk about chaos all the time, let's right. do Zinch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, it took me a while to come around to Zinch because, first of all, some of his models, especially the old ones, weren't as compelling. Like, if you're going to go Bloodthirster or Great and Clean one and then compare mm-hmm. it to a Lord of Change, not nearly as cool. Um, yeah. So for those, we talked about the Great and Clean one. The Bloodthirster is probably the most powerful greater demon. It's just, it's like your stereotypical demon. Like, it's got wings, it's right. giant, it's flaming, cloven it's got hooves. cloven hooves, like an axe. It's, it's like a Balrog on crack in a heavy <laughs> metal video, and it's super cool. Right. Um, Slanesh, the the newest keeper of secrets, which is this, it's kind of bovine, kind of human with giant crab claws, and it's beautiful, but at the same time disturbing. Mm-hmm. The latest one is really good, I think. Do you um, like the new sculpt? The keeper of secrets slash Shalaxi yeah. Hellbane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it 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 portrays the sort of elegance, and I don't know, it's it's a feminine but masculine at the same time they, i think they did a really great job it's kind of sexy in a weird disturbing <laughs> way right but if you compare that like lord of change is basically uh what was that stupid movie the dark crystal the the skexis <laughs> it's just a scary bird <laughs> i see the uh what's this the buzzard from uh bray wyatt's firefly funhouse yeah that's kind of that's a good one bray wyatt bring him up <laughs> But um, it took me a while to come around to Zinch, but I think what it attracted me is <clears throat> in the third edition codex, I was reading about the Thousand Suns, mm-hmm. and I just thought they were so interesting. Like like their, the rubrique, so the, the rank and file Thousand Suns, they were all mutating. Mm-hmm. So they, Araman cast a spell to make them immune from mutation, but... You know, it's it's like the monkey's paw. There was like a sick side effect. They're immune from mutation because they have no bodies. They're <laughs> right. they're just kind of like souls loosely, loosely attached to armor that don't really even have their own sentience anymore. In many cases, they're kind of automata, right. automatons. I don't know which one of them. <laughs> and I think that's what drew me in a little bit. But with Zinch, it's like the the idea of power and sorcery were things I really liked. Like yeah. ambition, scheming, but also like I think in many ways like the true kind of zinchiness of like, like constant mutation and constant change is like really pure chaos. So so I sent you uh, just now, Tom, a, a link to Creature Caster has this uh, model called the King of I don't know how to say it, it's like Malefica. Malefica. King of I love Ma- Malefica. I love uh, Creature Caster stuff. Um, but the king of, how do you say it, Malefica? 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 Let's go with that, Malefica. What's your name? It's Malefica. <laughs> Are you trying to say Melissa? 
Um, but anyway, this is the best thing I've ever seen is like what would be a Zinchi and Greater Demon. Yeah. So if you're at home, look up Creature Caster, King of Malefica. It is this like swirling, multicolored, you know, very Lovecraftian. It's very Lovecraftian. It's like Nyarlathotep. You know, there's like eyes on top of eyes with mouths and arms that become mouths that then become other arms. And that's what Zinch should be because it's constantly like roiling insanity as your schemes within schemes change and constantly like roil along with the warp and, and ambition. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's Yeah, that's an awesome looking model. That is. An, I don't think I would ever be able to do it justice with paint, but like Tom, I would love to see what you do with this thing. But you know what? All of their demons are, are super cool. They are super cool. We should try to get them on the show. <laughs> if you're listening, we'd love to have you. Hey, it worked once. It did. It did. We, we got Ryan from uh, Command Point, so there's no reason why we couldn't uh, try again. But, uh, but man, yeah, Creature Caster has some amazing demons. These guys must be really crazy to come up with this shit and then spend hours and hours uh, creating it. Definitely some not safe for work stuff in there. But yeah. anyway, my love for Zine, I, I loved Ahriman. I think Ahriman is fascinating. So so Isaac Ahriman was the chief librarian of the Thousand Sons, the primarch of the Thousand Sons. Magnus the Red kind of exiled himself to he, – he, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm not really an apologist for him. I think he, he definitely had some hubris. But, uh, you know, he's he still compared with some of the other primarchs. Yeah, and I think he's a little more sympathetic than some other primarchs. You know, tell me if I'm crazy. But so so Ahriman is kind of in this like constant journey to undo basically what he did, which is to make all of the other thousand sons these lifeless husks. And throughout his book series, um, there's a whole bunch of, of lore with him in it. He's definitely not just like super selfishly trying to take over the universe. Like he does want to help this other party. And I think of all the chaos books, like he's one of the most, I mean, at the same time, super Zinchian, right? Because he's got all this yeah. ambition. He's going to do all these great things, right. not realizing that everything is a waste of time and effort and that it's going to come to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he sees himself as a good guy. He's like a Magneto. Yeah. Like, I don't think Karn sees himself as a good guy because I don't think he gives a shit. Right. He's just kind of doing his own thing. I don't think Lucius sees himself as a good guy because I don't think he gives a shit. Exactly. Typhus. I specifically think Typhus probably knows he's an asshole. Yeah, it's yeah he's got to acknowledge that at some. <laughs> <laughs> but like Armin, like if you ask him, he's like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for all these other people. Right. Um, and there's there's a line in another book that's not about him where they say like, Do you really think none of us are affected by the warp? You know, ask Ahriman where that hole in his face came from. So it gets alluded that he doesn't even have a face anymore. It's just a hole, like a black hole, which I think is super cool. That's why he wears the mask. (laughs) Also, it's a sweet mask. It is a sweet mask. Uh, But yeah, you made me think of... uh, So apparently, the Chaos Gods, uh, they had their own preferences for which Primarchs they wanted. uh, And Zinch was the only one that really got... (laughs) <laughs> Zinch wanted Magnus. He was the only really uh, one that got his first choice. Who'd, who'd the other ones want, do you know? Uh, so Slanesh really wanted uh, Jagatai Khan. Really? Uh, yeah. Not necessarily unhappy with Fulgrim, but it uh, wasn't his first choice. Uh, Korn obviously wanted Sanguineus. Uh, 
And this was interesting. I think I found uh, Nurgle wanted Perturabo. He was close. Yeah, that, I found that was interesting. So we've gone through a lot in this episode. We're talking about chaos and why we love it. Um, yeah. In terms of how it plays on the battlefield, we could talk a little bit about that. And we yeah. can, I guess we always talk about Kill Team. You've mentioned Emperor's Children. Like, you can't have Berserkers, so try to take advantage of the fact that you always fight first and that you can yeah. shoot twice. Yeah. Because Possessed really aren't that great. I mean, I had one on my list. He didn't really do much. Um, but, you know, Chainswords are cool. Uh, if you want to spend the points on a on a chaos marine, uh, but yeah, shooting twice is definitely uh, the strength there. Uh, I had the auto cannon and a plasma gunner. Uh, although now with the changes, hopefully the changes to heavy bolters, he might be a little more competitive if it makes its way to chaos as well. I mean, yeah, and in in general, like if you're playing other, I think dark raiders is usually the best uh, other faction if you don't have like a specific love because they can reroll charges. Which is great for your berserkers, or if you have other guys who want to get in combat. Iron Warriors isn't too bad because it gives you a buff from um, structure. Uh, yeah, for me, it's easier to kill enemies and cover. Yeah. Basically, always always have your auto cannon, or maybe now your heavy bolter if it gets upset, updated. I think we talked about that before. Plasma it's situational. Yeah. Always uh, have a cultist leader, and mm-hmm. if you cultist in you know in various places, and limit the deep strike. Radius. Yeah, using your cultist strategically, you mean? Yeah, because you don't want your leader to get ganked. Yeah, have a, have a berserker or two. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole episode on Thousand Suns tactics and Death Guard tactics. Maybe we'll keep those out for now. But Death Guard in general, like you, you have some auto includes, like the flail have at least one, a blight yeah. launcher have at least one. Yeah. Have a whole bunch of pox walkers because you need them to capture things. All right. For Thousand Sons, honestly, I found Zangors to be not as good as people think they are, because a five-up armor save, even if it's invulnerable, is not really reliable. I think it's good to have them in your command list, or your roster, because they they have the flexibility of being a horde or an elite army, depending on who you're up against. So I think that versatility uh, is super helpful. I would definitely have them in your roster, just don't expect much from them. Yeah, I mean, they you know they have their time and place. If if you want to flip the board with bodies to control points, yeah, yeah, you know, they do a good job at that. And and totally fair. I think in my experience, they're just not killing enough to be super great, especially not with things that are relatively the same price, like uh, racks on Drukari or orcs. Ah. Like orcs are a little bit more killy. Right. But you got to flood the board with them. Rubrics don't underestimate how good the AP minus two is against heavily armored guys. And don't underestimate the flamers are really good, <laughs> even if they're super expensive. Yeah. 20 points for a rubric A with a flamer. But if you can deep strike them using webway infiltration, get them behind your enemy's line, suddenly you get a, a big problem for them to deal with. Uh, what do you think of the Scarab Occult Terminator with the heavy flamer? I, I actually, if it's me, um, well, if the heavy flamer goes to 12 inches, that's pretty tight. Right. I usually just go with the because if I do, uh, I usually do the because then you can make them a heavy. You can't have a heavy unless they're a gunner. And yeah. the reason I like the heavies is for once you can get more bolts. Yeah, so yeah. if you throw the Hellfire missiles and a combi bolter on that guy at close range or you know half range or less, that's four bolter shots plus two uh, missile shots. 
If you do heavy, that's plus one to each, or more bullets, that's plus one to each. And then I think there is... No, you can't shoot again with him, but you can put a Zangor with comms next to him. So then they're getting eight shots total, of which three are multi-damage, and all have really good AP, hitting pretty reliably. It's, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> People are always like, what's wrong with you? Why would you take a Scarab called Terminator instead of an extra sorcerer? And I'm like, okay... <laughs> and then I just completely annihilate. That guy has never not earned his points in kill. Right. Yeah, especially if you're within half range for the, the rapid fire, you're not worrying about long range penalties. Yeah, he's he's pretty not bad. Sorcerers, also very good. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just a good faction. Although although my last game, I I blew four psychic tests <laughs> out of five. Yeah. And perils? Perils, I have not had that happen because mm-hmm. I usually save the one CP for... Yeah. It's, it is a really good faction. It's just the good things are so expensive <laughs> and the things that aren't the good things are not as good as they could be. Gotcha. But I, I do really enjoy them. I like playing them a lot and I love their colors and I love painting them. <laughs> so... That's chaos, guys. We we love it. It empowers us. It's uh, it's something that is different and challenging and interesting. It has a long history. We really barely scratched the surface. I think, Tom. I think that's a pretty good summary of why we love them so much. I think I'm going to shoehorn in here and and feel free to edit this wherever it fits. My initial statement about uh, how you're un-American. <clears throat> so I was because uh, I'm a huge fan of how. GW's like actual historical influences affect the different factions, like and how they draw inspiration from real life historical events. So I was I noticed a lot of similarities between uh, the Horus Heresy and the American Revolution that I and you know I, I looked up online. You know, like, am, am I crazy? Like, is this a known thing? And I couldn't find anyone talking about it. Uh, so that made me think like. So basically what happened, England, when they settled the colonies in America, uh, you know, they had a, a great presence, you know, uh, treated like a like a proper colony. You know, they, they had uh, a good relationship and, and the people here loved them. And then they had a war with France brewing and they needed to pull out uh, back home uh, for a couple of like two or three generations. They just sort of they said, OK, you know, uh, America we're going back home, you have to fend for yourself. You know, we're, like they, they literally went back home uh, and left their quote-unquote children to fend for themselves while they took care of stuff at home. Uh, and after a couple of generations, the American people were like, you know, what what ties do we have to England anymore? You know, our, our grandfathers, you know, were, were the loyalists. You know, we have no say in their government. We, you know, we have no relationship with them anymore. Like what, and that sort of bred dissent and and, uh, and ultimately revolution. It's not a bad point. I mean, there's certainly parallels. I mean, you know, I don't know if Horace would be George Washington because <laughs> he wasn't like the son of the king, but you're right, like this whole idea that like inattention breeds resentment or independence, and then it's like, why would I come back? Like, I see that your, your truth isn't my truth anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I didn't see anybody else talking there. about that. Yeah. Well, you're first. Apparently, I'm a genius. So, so there you have it, folks. Tom's analysis 
the Horus Heresy is actually based on the American Revolution. To be clear, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying pretty much <laughs> everything that happens in the GW universe has influences from a variety of sources. Yes. Um, so, so like, look, like all the Space Marines are roughly, roughly, roughly based on something historic. You know, you got Space Wolves were Vikings, Jagadai Khan was Mongolians, right. and and the Genghis Khan era. Uh, and, and his sons. You've got Ultramarines or Romans. So, so there's always a bit of the past informing the future or the fiction. And it makes sense that uh, Games Workshop, being a British company, would uh, see them as the enemy, <laughs> the Americans. So, so really, what you're saying is that America is full of chaos. It basically is. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to disagree. I've lived in a lot of places in America. (laughs) (laughs) If that was the case, then Nurgle is type 2 diabetes. (laughs) I say it with love, guys. I grew up drinking sweet tea. I know how Mm. it is. You know, but on the other hand, you know, I could be completely full of shit, which is also a very real possibility. Who cares? It's the the thought that matters. (laughs) More than likely. So that... More than likely, it was baloney. More than likely is the uh, actual. I'm glad you. I'm glad you corrected that because I don't think I've said, heard anyone say baloney as in like that's false in three <laughs> decades. You're full of baloney, dude. When I was a kid, like this is gonna be a complete tangent. I <laughs> ate white bread with Oscar Mayer baloney and mayonnaise. Like that was a that was a meal parents would make for me. If you did that to a kid these days, child services would come and take them away. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with baloney. But it was it was like devoid, like like just that combination, like, oh here's my lunch. I've got a bag of chips and a white bread bologna sandwich and processed. like a fruit cup, which we find out is that yeah, it's processed. It's all like heavy sear peaches, which isn't even real. <laughs> it's no wonder I have type one diabetes. Corn syrup. It is good though, isn't it? Yeah. Lunchables. Lunchables, yeah. <laughs> I remember the kid who had the lunchables was always like the lucky kid. Except like when he got the pizza, he was like, Yeah, this pizza's fucking nasty. Cold pizza. That's that's like some zinch stuff right there, because it's like, oh, so you want to scheme to get the best lunch. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> Monkey's paw. Like, yeah, the you sauce, the sweet ketchup. Yeah. Like the Nurgle kid has like Twinkies. Right. The corn is the bully that beats you up and takes you to lunch. <laughs> the Slanesh kid, that's the one with the organic food who one day is going to finally get some like not organic food and just like go nuts and gain 500 pounds. That's the kid that brings sushi. <laughs> Unless that kid is Japanese and that's his home, what he eats at home. <laughs> Tom, what do we always say? Ave Dominus Knox. <laughs> Hydra Dominatus. <laughs> uh, no, let's keep going with Chaos uh, Mottos. I like this. All is dust. <laughs> Children of the Emperor, death to his foes. Don't forget to mash that like and subscribe button. Suck it. Uh, adios, pachachos. Good fight. Good night.
Blood for the Blood God, Skulls for the Skull Throne, coming to you from San Padre Island. This is the Podcasting Hour. Live from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico.